You're invited to The Prom, the next Broadway and Chicago show at the Cadillac Palace Theater, playing for one week only, April 19th through 24th. This show is described as having a Jewish soul. The Prom is a musical comedy about big Broadway stars on a mission to change the world and the love they discover that unites them all. Okay, real talk. I saw this show on Broadway and was dancing in my seat the whole time when I wasn't crying. Okay, sometimes I was dancing and crying at the same time. The Prom makes you believe in musical comedy again and is so full of happiness that you think your heart is going to burst. Everyone deserves a chance to celebrate at the Cadillac Palace Theater for one week only, April 19th through 24th. And Mishkan Chicago gets a special discount code. The code is PARTY49 for $49 tickets, valid for April 19th and 20th, evening shows only, and the 21st in the orchestra, dress circle, and loge seating area. Again, PARTY49. So get tickets now at broadwayinchicago.com. Welcome to Shabbat Replay on Contact High. You're listening to some lively davening at the Saturday morning Shabbat service on April 2nd. Rabbi Dina delivered a sermon on the spiritual wisdom behind Passover kitchen traditions. You can read the transcript on our blog or watch in video form on our YouTube. Follow the links in the show notes. On your marks, get set, bake! If you are a fan of the show The Great British Bake Off, or if you're a bread baker yourself, then you know that baking bread comes with a major source of anxiety. Will this dough be under or overproved, or will it be properly baked? Proving bread refers to the chemical process of fermentation by which the yeast, or the bacteria, in the bread and the environment, consumes some of the carbohydrates in the dough and produces carbon dioxide as a result. That's for you science people. In other words, it makes air bubbles. It's what makes bread taste good and have a pleasant texture. Bread that is underproved will be very dense, and bread that is overproved will puff up in the oven and then collapse back on itself. But if you watch Great British Bake Off or you got into pandemic bread baking yourself, you know that even for the most experienced bread bakers, getting that proving just right is as much an art as it is a science. There's so many different factors that can affect a bread's rise, from the ambient temperature to the moisture in the air to how much you develop the gluten while you were kneading it to whether Paul Hollywood was staring you down. That last one was a joke. The other ones are all true. Perfect bread takes focus and attention, yes, but it also takes a decent amount of good luck. It's precisely this chemical reaction of fermentation which makes food taste good and have a pleasant texture that we avoid on Passover. On Passover, we are told to eliminate all chametz. Chametz literally means fermented from our homes and our lives. And that means not just bread, but anything which has the ability to ferment from one of five types of grain, from wheat, barley, oats, spelt, and rye. Some Ashkenazi authorities even went further and said, we're going to eliminate anything that you could make into a flour that might look like those things, even if they wouldn't actually ferment, like rice and legumes. All this is to say, Jews have been taking this don't-have-any-leavened-fermented stuff very, very seriously. 
Leavened and fermented foods are essentially things that have reacted to their environment and then started to grow with a mind of their own. So when we prepare for Passover, what we're doing is we're cutting out things that have been growing and changing without us paying attention to them. Crumbs of food that have been sitting under our couch that we've forgotten about, things that have been sitting at the back of the pantry for a while. It's a ritualized Jewish spring cleaning. Your calendar is a reminder that it might be good to take the couch cushions off and wash them. How appropriate, then, that we begin the month of Nisan today, the month in which Passover occurs, by reading about things that start to grow out of control and have a mind of their own, on skin, on clothing, even in the stones of the wall of your house. Sarat, as Judah explained to us, is a spiritual malady masquerading as a physical aberration. On the skin, it can look like a disease, but as the Torah explains, Sarat can also affect cloth and stone, which don't get, get diseases. It can be in your house, in your literal garment. So we might be tempted to look at the description of Tzarat in clothing or houses, which the Torah describes as dark green or dark red spots and streaks, and think to ourselves, yes, mold, that's what they're talking about. And it's certainly possible that physically speaking, the author of this part of the Torah saw mold and then described it. But if that's what we believed the Torah was really talking about, we would be falling into the trap of thinking that Sarat is about something that is physically off and not a spiritual problem. According to the Ramban, a Spanish commentator and a mystical thinker, Sarat in the walls of a house is a sign that God has removed God's presence from that area. Sarat is inherently ritually impure. Things that are ritually impure cannot be in God's physical presence. And so when we find signs of tzara'at, it's a sign that holiness has departed. The Tosefta, an early rabbinic text, which is sort of a parallel to the Mishnah, mentions these laws about tzara'at in the walls of our house in a series of laws that it says never actually got practiced. They were just there to teach us a lesson. In other words, the Tosefta is saying, don't worry about the physicality part of tzara'at. It's there to teach you something. They're there to teach us to pay attention to when something in our life has started to grow outside of our control without our attention on it. It prompts us to notice what has become stale, what has started to grow beyond a reasonable space, and then to bring our focus back to it. So we set aside some time, a quarantine period, to focus on this thing, to pay attention to it, to see what's actually happening with it. And then we decide whether its presence has led to a diminishment of holiness in our lives, in which case we cut it out. So Rabbi Yitz Greenberg writes that this Passover cleaning ritual, the throwing out accumulated staleness and the dead hand of winter, cleaning the house, changing utensils, he says, this became a psychological backdrop for reenacting emancipation. In two weeks, we will be eating our first matzah breakfast, maybe a little sleepy from having stayed up late the night before discussing freedom, which means that for the next two weeks, we are preparing ourselves physically and spiritually to be free by transforming our homes and our diets and then that physical transformation of our space prompts us to undergo a spiritual transformation as well. Two weeks, it turns out, is also, according to the Torah, the amount of time it takes to be sure if something has tzara'at or not. The maximum quarantine period is two weeks. 
So it's a ritually significant proving time, if you will, to decide what's working, what is bringing holiness to our lives, and what no longer is. Some fermentation, some growth and change is a good thing. It's why we eat bread for 51 weeks a year and matzah for only one week, because bread is tastier than matzah. We want our lives to grow and develop. We want there to be some amount of change and reaction to our environment. And we might find in this two-week period of spiritual and physical assessment that there are things in our lives that are underproved. They're not ready yet. And this is also an opportunity to pay attention to those things, to help create conditions that will help them optimally grow and turn into the best version of what they can be for us. We might also find in this two-week period that there are things that are just right. And we can use this as a chance to savor them. And then we might find there are things that have gone off. That this cleaning and quarantine period helps us recognize the things that have started to suck up time and energy in our lives without doing anything for us in return. As many a great British baker has learned... An overproved dough will blow up in the oven and then collapse back on itself in a sad, wrinkly mess resulting in elimination from the competition. We will not be eliminated from our lives if we don't eliminate our chametz. But this Parsha and this holiday season give us a ritual container to remove the things that have changed beyond what is useful to us or what serves us or what helps us live holy, purposeful lives. We scrub and we vacuum and we clean and we schlep dishes around the house because that also reminds us to cut out, to excise our bloated beliefs, to change things over in our lives from time to time, to make space for new growth. Because when we do that, we have more room for holiness, more room to be free, more room to pursue freedom. Shabbat shalom and happy cleaning. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening. <laughs>